All right, everybody, welcome to Sunday night service. How are we doing tonight? Praise the Lord. We had a good time this morning. Appreciate everybody that was out here worshiping with us. And we're going to have an awesome, awesome time tonight in the presence of the Lord, fellowshipping and hearing the word of God. All right. Let's go ahead and stand up together. We're going to open up with some words of faith over the United States of America. And we're going to keep standing in the gap and interceding for our nation. Amen. Let's go ahead and speak these words together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's give Jesus some praise tonight. And you may be seated. Hallelujah. Well, let's go over a few announcements here. Uh, of course, lots of stuff going on. Uh, thank you all that came to our interest meeting for Victor Valley Christian School today. And uh, so hopefully if any of you are interested in that and you got more questions, let us know and we could uh, hopefully answer those for you. But the big thing coming up this weekend is the Marriage Refresh Weekend. Friday and Saturday. And uh, we really, if you're going to go, I think we said we got three or four slots left. But we need to go ahead and get you registered right away. It'll be this Friday uh, some from 6.30 to 8.30 and then Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. Uh, we've got dinner and uh, child care and all this stuff. It's going to be absolutely great. And I encourage you to take advantage of the opportunities that the church is making available. We're putting our resources towards your families. You know, we did the parenting class. We've been doing these family nights and all this stuff. And uh, we just, we're a family church equipping God's people for victorious Christian living. And so that's what we are targeting and uh, doing all these events. So we want to bless your marriage and your parenting and everything else. All right. But if you're going to register, hdwc.org slash married. And then right after that is going to be the National Day of Prayer coming up on Thursday, May the 5th at 6 p.m. We're going to have it right here. Now, there are other National Day of Prayer events going on in town. And so, uh, you know, that's that's good. This is going to be our one for High Desert Word Center. So, you know, praise God. Uh, just come and have a good time. And, and if you go to, you know, pray with someone else, that's fine too. You know, whatever. It's all about prayer, right? So we're going to be lifting up our nation and praying that night. And that'll be at 6 p.m. And then big news is the mother-daughter banquet. Uh, that's going to be uh, right after that on Mother's Day weekend. And uh, the, it's going to be uh, at 11 a.m. on that Saturday. Uh, you got your food and, you know, prizes, a costume contest, all that. But we do need you to register uh, by May 1st. We need that. Uh, we need to know because we got to prepare for food and everything else. So go ahead and uh, there's a QR code there or uh, in the back there. But go ahead and get registered for that. That would greatly help us out a lot. And we got a few other big events coming in May that I don't have on the screen there. But we do have a family picnic night that we're going to be doing at uh, Lawrence. What park is that at? Remind me. 
Fogelson Park, all right? And uh, that's going to be, I think, on Mondays, uh, one of the Mondays there. And just so you have a little bit of a heads up, but we're all going to get together and have a nice pitch-in time at the park together. It's going to be awesome. And uh, and so stay tuned for that. And then one of our great friends from Michigan is coming in, Reverend Ray Bench, is going to be here with us also. And his wife is coming for the very first time ever. And the coolest thing is his wife is from South Africa, so she's got this really awesome accent. And we're all like, we just want to hear her talk. It's so cool. So anyway, she's going to be here with Ray, and uh, we're going to have an awesome time. And in fact, his wife, who's a wonderful Christian mom and leader, she's going to be uh, doing uh, the event for the Young Wives and Moms that month. So uh, we want to make sure that she gets to speak some uh, some blessing into all the young wives and moms and give them some encouragement because, hey, sometimes I'm sure it's not super easy being a mom all the time, right? So we want to bless you moms with all that and uh, make that available to you and uh, lots of other great stuff we're working on to you praise god all right well who knows what time it is now yes sir yes sir it's happy time boys and girls so if you need an envelope raise your hand and the ushers would just love to get one to you oh they're racing wow i'm telling you these boys love handing out paper i've wow i don't think yeah let's give it up for our ushers they're they're willing to risk it all Slim Jim and Robert Valdez over here. It's good stuff. All right. I'm just saying, this man, he's half the man that he once was. <laughs> I didn't mean to make him fall, but he, he knows my heart. He knows my heart. Uh, let's turn to Psalm chapter 37. Can we? Psalm 37. And I'm going to be verse 4 in the New King James. Psalm 37, verse 4 in the New King James. If you're giving online, you can do hdwc.org slash giving. But Psalm 37. In verse 4, and here's a verse that a lot of people love to quote because it's totally awesome. And then some people, though, you got to realize, hey, you got to do your part here. But Psalm 37, in verse 4, it says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and then he shall give you the desires of your heart. And everybody wants the desires of their heart. They're like, man, I've always wanted this. And the Lord wants you to have it if it's a good godly thing. He wants his kids to be blessed. He wants you to have everything that you need. And he'll make it happen. But check it out. You've got to delight yourself in the Lord first of all. Well, what does that mean? There's a whole lot that that means. But it certainly includes obeying his word, being a doer of the word. And there's so many people that, you know, they want God's blessing on their finances. They want God to come in and work miracles in their money. And and that's great. But you're going to have to do your part too. You're going to have to obey what his word says about our finances, right? And as we begin to do that, we are delighting ourselves in the Lord. And listen, the desires of your heart, he will give you the desires of your heart. He won't make you beg and plead and scratch and claw and and dig in the dirt and throw ashes. No, no, no. He'll give you the desires of your heart when we delight ourselves in him. Isn't he a good father to us? I mean, let's hear it for Jesus tonight. He is a good father to us. We love him. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand up. We're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. Then we're going to get into some worship tonight and get into the Word of God. It's going to be awesome. Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, 
debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go.
Somebody say glory. glory. Amen, amen, amen. Give, give, give your neighbor a high five, a handshake or something. and Man, we can be sociable again. We're not social distance. We're sociable. Hallelujah. 
That's a good song, isn't it? You know, when you listen to the words of that song, I was, I was listening while we were singing, and that's how you know he's working when you can't see him. We walk by faith, not by sight. Now faith is the evidence of things not seen. And then think about that Footprints in the Sand poem, whatever you call that, from a long time ago, that picture. Man, man woman, whoever it was, got to heaven, and <clears throat> the Lord showed the life of the it walking through the sand. It said, Lord, but I noticed something. How come every time within my hardest, hardest places in life there's only one set? He said, son, that wasn't yours. That was mine. I carried you through that. And in our lives, we got to realize that most of the time when God's working in your life, you can't sit till after the fact. Then you realize, wow, it's been all these months and I realized that pain hadn't been there. It's gone. Or you realize that financial thing, man, that thing's taken care of. You realize the problems the people you had, they're not there, they're gone. But God was working all the time because we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? Amen. That song is really, really a good song. <clears throat> I wish I'd have wrote it, but I, I don't write songs. I write sermons. <laughs> so that songwriter can preach my sermons if he wants to or she. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about the Bible way to turn hopeless situations around. Singing songs like that would be a good one. The Bible way to turn hopeless situations around. I want to show you a couple books that I cut my spiritual teeth on. They're really good books for new believers and for all believers, but this one called Growing Up Spiritually. Growing Up Spiritually. And, of course, the Brother Hagen books. That's my main, that's my main spiritual diet other than the Bible is Brother Hagen. But uh, Growing Up Spiritually... The Bible teaches different phases of spiritual growth, just like natural growth. Uh, Paul talked about your babes in Christ. Peter said, desire the sincere milk of the word as newborn babes. And then he talks about spiritually mature. And so there's a process from the time that you first get born again and you know nothing. It's like a little baby knows nothing. But you feed the baby the right diet and take care of the baby, the baby grows. And then just like my babies, I was up there looking up on the platform a minute ago. I was looking at Josh. I thought, wow, this is the little Josh we gave the coffee cans to and the pots and pans sitting on the kitchen floor beating on them and making noise, <clears throat> sitting in front of TV watching music shows. And then I was looking at Ray Liana up there saying, I thought, that's little Ray Ray. And she came here, she was little Ray Ray. But now she's not Ray Ray anymore. She's Ray Liana, the gifted uh, singer musician a servant of the Lord. But they didn't start there, they grew. And then I, I was listening to, where's Jocelyn? I was hear, hear Jocelyn back at our prayer meeting talking, and she's talking, you know, the, her mom, actually her mom was doing most of the talking. <clears throat> but uh, about, about her getting, about, about, about Jocelyn getting more bold and talking to people, and I was thinking about myself, I was thinking, man, before I got born again filled with the Holy Ghost, I was the most shy, backward person there was on the truck dock. Man, I was always afraid I'd start crying if somebody talked to me. <laughs> you know, I, was, I, was, I was a man, a truck driver, but I, I didn't want to do anything. I got born again and I grew. And then I came to the place where I would preach at the drop of a hat, and I'd drop the hat so I could preach. Hey, man, so that growing up spiritually, <clears throat> that growing up spiritually really helped me see some of those things. Now, this one here is exceeding growing faith. Exceeding growing faith. And I, I, I still have my original copies from years ago, but I studied those books with my Bible. 
And then Brother Hagin taught that Jesus would say sometimes, Oh, ye of little faith. And then the centurion, he said, I'm not seeing such great faith. And then Paul said, Your faith groweth. And so that tells me it's possible to grow faith. But books like that help me see how to grow my faith. Help me see if I really was in faith or if I was in hope. And there's a difference between hope and faith. Hebrews 11 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Well, hope, man, where's this coming from? Oh, well, it just comes and we go with it. Uh, a lot of people here are too young to remember real cameras where you went down to the store and you bought a camera cartridge or a roll of film, you put it in there, and then you didn't have instant pictures. You had to take it back to the drugstore, the negatives, and they turned the negatives into positives. In other words, they develop and make pictures. Well, hope is like that negative film that hasn't been developed. When you first see the Word of God things, and you get all excited, that's like taking a picture. You get a picture on the inside, it's like your undeveloped film. But then as you begin to speak it, act on it, and believe you'll have what you say, that picture begins to get developed, and it goes from a negative to a positive. That becomes faith. And then when it's faith... You don't think about, I wonder if I got faith, because if you wonder if you got faith, you don't have faith yet. You've got hope. Because when it becomes faith, you've got it in your hand. The money's in your hand, the healing's here, etc., etc. Whatever it is you're believing on, if you think, oh, I wonder if I got faith, you don't have it yet. Because when you have faith, you don't think about it, you just live it, you speak it. You say, we're going to go do that, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Well, how are you going to do that? You're flat, you're back in bed. Well, by his stripes, I'm healed. Well, you can't do that. Well, they don't know what you see. But when it comes from hope into faith, you don't think about what you can't do. You say, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And then somebody says, man, that man's got great faith. And you go, who are they talking about? Hey, man, so anyway, that's just some things those, book, those books teach. And I learned a lot out of books like this here. And we do have many copies of these in the bookstore. So if you by chance want one, they're back there. But that's tools to help you grow in your faith. So tonight we're going to be talking about the Bible way to turn hopeless situations around. I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Man, I'll tell you what, I've got, I got to have that initial blast, that blast off. i got to have something like, like this uh, fuse to get this thing moving. 2 Timothy 2.15. All right. All right, Jesus is getting ready to talk to us, isn't he? <clears throat> Through the Word of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That word dividing really means interpreting. Rightly interpreting the word of truth. If you think about it, God wouldn't tell us to learn to rightly interpret the Bible unless people were wrongly interpreting the Bible. Why would he tell you to do something if there wasn't something needed corrected? Amen. He said, he said, study, show yourself approved unto God. I don't have to prove myself to anybody but God. 
Proverbs 18, 17 says, A man's gift makes room for him, brings him four great men. And so would you, whatever it is in life that's in your heart to accomplish for God, you don't have to prove yourself to people. First you prove yourself to Him. And then whatever it is He's gifted and called you to do in life, it'll make a way for you. Would you prove yourself to Him? Because He's the promoter. Oh, boy, I don't like to just quote verses all night long, but sometimes I quote verses all night long because they're in me. But pro, pro, uh, Psalms 75, verse 6 and 7 says, Promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west, but God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. And so there's so many Christians think they have to get promotions in life by kicking the door down to get in there see the right person. Psalms 5.12 says the righteous was surrounded with favor as a shield. And I've seen it time after time. I guess I'm kind of prophesied to somebody somewhere that's looking to uh, move up in life in the job in the job arena profession. But the thing is, I've, I've seen so many times, especially in hard economic times, people that had half the education, a fraction of the experience of other people, and I thought, well, I'll never get that job, Pastor. I, 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 there's only me showing up. There's thousands of people ahead of me. I said, well, if Jesus goes ahead of you, it doesn't make any difference. He'll put you at the head of the line. I've seen so many people where the Lord's the one that set that job up, and they may not have had the best resume or anything else in life, but when God puts down one and sets up another, it's yours. Amen. Amen. So the thing is, you study to show yourself approved unto God. <clears throat> and then God will make a way for you to do what he's called you to do. But he says, rightly interpreting the word of truth. Rightly interpreting. And so this sermon was birthed as I prayed about what to do, which they all are. But anyway, I began to think that when I was a new Christian back in January of 1980, the first church I attended had a lot of good people. The Holy Spirit was moving, but too much of what they taught was non-biblical. And so, I don't know about you, but I've seen Christian nuts. I've seen flaky Christians, and then I've seen Holy Ghost Christians that know how to rightly interpret the word of truth, and things they did looked weird, but they got results that people saw Jesus through them. And so that's the kind of Christian I want to be. And I know I was very weird to people around me as a young Christian, but I learned the Bible. Tell you what, they saw me speak to mountains and they moved. They thought, whoa, <clears throat> this guy knows something. Well, I laid hands on the sick and they recovered. They said, wow, this guy knows Jesus. And so anyway, uh, that Pentecostal church I went to, they knew the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost moved all the time. But because of the way they wrongly interpreted the Bible and taught it, they fleeced people out of money. They did a lot of fleecing. This church I went to, I was thinking about it, we were worshiping God. I was thinking, wow, 42 years ago at this time, I know where I was. The church was in the ghetto right next to the projects. Really poor. Half black, half white. And, and they, they really had a whole lot of action going on. They probably had 100, between 100 and 200 people most of the time. And they had revival, what they called revival, at least one week every month, sometimes two weeks a month. And the majority of people were really poor people. And so anyway, at these revivals, it ended up being the same thing every time. <clears throat> they start running low on money, and then they start prophesying. God tells me, 
There's 10 people in this church that's supposed to give $100 tonight. And they stand there, they look around, and mostly poor people. And if they didn't get enough there, God tells me there's 20 people that are going to give $50 tonight. And they keep on working the system, same thing, every time. I was a brand new Christian, filled with the Holy Ghost. I love Jesus with all my heart, and I wouldn't do anything he wanted me to do. And so every time they put on the show, man, I'd sit there, I'd squirm in my... I I didn't know the Holy Spirit yet. I hadn't been taught anything. I'd sit there, I'd squirm. I'd end up giving away my gas money and my grocery money. And, man, I just... My lunch money, because I'd always sit there, man, if God said that, nobody else is doing it. I must be one. I must be one. I must be the one. I'd say, Jesus, I love you. And, you know, i got to have gas to go to work. If you want me to get my gas money away, I'll do it. And so I, I would do that every time I'd do that. And finally, finally I thought, man, i got to get smart about this. So before I'd go to church, I'd leave my money at home. <laughs> I say, I say, if I'm sitting out there and he's telling somebody, he can't tell me because I don't have it. I mean, I always gave my tithe and I gave offerings, but I wasn't going to give away everything else I had. I mean, you know, that's not God. You know, there, there's no victory in that. But the thing was, it took care of the traveling evangelist. It took care of the preachers. They could all go out and eat real good and do things. What I'm saying is this. They wasn't rightly interpreting the word of truth about what Bible prophecy is. And things like that. And then also, they, they, they taught the Bible based upon their experiences and stirred up people's emotions rather than faith from hearing the word of God. And Pastor Dave hit on this this morning. Matter, matter of fact, he dipped in and out of this all morning long when he was preaching. They said faith come by praying. And so I prayed for faith and nothing really happened, didn't change. And then the thing that really, really, really about the end of my Christian life, they kept on preaching that great faith comes through great trials. If you're going to be a great man of faith, you got to go through great trials. And so as a baby Christian, I didn't know the Bible. Nobody ever taught me faith. You know, I, I, you know I've said many times, I wasn't raised in the church when I was young. I was raised in the tavern. My dad and mom was real drinkers. My aunts and uncles were real drinkers. They were drinking people. And so I wasn't raised in a Christian church. I knew nothing. I come into the church at 28 and a half years old. I knew nothing. And so great trials. And so... You know, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. I knew how real this was. I had come from point zero concerning the things of God to all of a sudden, man, I wanted it all. I was hungry. I wanted great faith. And so I started praying for great trials. You know, I quit praying for faith. I thought, well, that's not working. They said pray for faith, and that's how you get faith. Well, I prayed faith didn't come. And so now they're saying faith comes by trials. So I prayed for the trials. Boy, did I get them. Man, the devil obliged me. He used the words out of my mouth. God does not send great trials. <clears throat> God's the one that sends great victories. So I prayed for the great trials. Man, I don't want to tell you some things that hit my life for the next couple months. And then one day, as I was driving my company truck down the road, I come to radio station 1590 WNTS, and I heard a man say, I'm Brother Kenneth Hagen, and this is Faith Seminar of the Air. And I started hearing faith taught in my truck. And then I heard a man say, I'm Kenneth Copeland, and this is the Believer's Voice of Victory. And so 
Every day of my truck, I listen to people that taught from the Bible how you got faith, how to use faith, what faith would do for you, etc., etc. And so when I began to hear those things, then the Lord led me from those nice people at that Pentecostal church to a Word of Faith church with a Word of Faith pastor, and then my Christian life began to skyrocket. Because I started hearing the right thing, and then something else at that time, too, that made it so easy to be able to grow, I wasn't married then. And so I could spend every day just going to work, coming home, reading my Bible, going to church, going to work, coming home, reading my Bible, going to church. And so, I mean, I got immersed in this. And then there was a man that was my friend. We were single Christians together about the same age. So we hung out nonstop. If I get to his area where he was at, I call him, hey, man, let's have lunch together. So we would have lunch together. We would talk faith. And then we'd work the restaurant. What do you mean you work the restaurant? Man, we'd go table to table. Uh, waitress to wait, well not waitress now the servers server to server and we talk Jesus to them and then when we had days off of vacation we'd go city to city and we and we worked the districts you know we went to a lot of times we went to we went to the red light districts with a couple of young guys didn't think about their hands back then but we we would work we're prostitutes we're in pimps and man we got some places a few times where Jesus had to get us out of there because those guys didn't like us still in the time of their ladies. But we led, we led a lot of women to Jesus, a lot of young girls to Jesus. And I can't say we did any pimps because all they wanted to do was get mad. They wouldn't listen. But the thing was that we got this in us. And when I heard the preachers preach the Great Commission, as for everybody, we went and did it. But I stayed so full of the Word of God, so prayed up, that I learned what to do from the Bible. Amen? And so I'm telling you, this, this is really for real. And it really works. <clears throat> and so when you, when you learn what faith is and how to rightly interpret the word of truth, it'll change your life forever. And I want you to look at John chapter 10, verse 10. Pastor Dave, uh, man, he hit about all these scriptures this morning. And we really hadn't talked about anything. But I, I may say a thing or two that Pastor Dave didn't teach. Matter of fact, we'll know the truth about it. a lot of pastor, what Pastor Dave taught. I thought, wow, that sounds like something I preached before. Duh. <laughs> well, my, my sons are some of my first disciples. Amen. So John 10.10, 10, it rightly divided the word of truth. And uh, another man I used to listen to a lot was Charles Capps. And Charles Capps called this verse the dividing line of the Bible. It says this, John 10.10, 10, The thief cometh not before to steal and to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And I really like the Amplified Bible, what it says uh, that Jesus said. It said, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. And you need to interpret the whole Bible from right there. Trials Things that come to still kill, destroy, are they from Jesus or the devil? Do blessings come from Jesus or the devil? Amen. You have to interpret the Bible by letting the Bible interpret itself for you. Let the Bible define itself. And so in the spiritual arena, you've got to remember this. You've got the human family, which is us, 
And then you got two spiritual families. You got Satan's side, Satan, demons, evil spirits, and you got Jesus' side. God the Father, the holy angels, the Holy Spirit, that's on that side. On God's side, there's no evil, period. There's no calamity, tragedies, evil things. God's not going to steal your wife, your kids, your money, your job, because he doesn't steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus come to give life and that more abundantly. And so Jesus and Satan uh, are totally different. All good things come from Jesus, no bad things, period. Somebody said, but, well, goats butt, sheep bath. Amen. Sheep say something like this. Bad, bad, pastor, good preaching. Green grass, still water. Bad, good preaching. And goats go, well, I know what it says, but, but, but. Amen. I'll tell you what, you either be a sheep or a goat. If every time you hear the Bible taught, where it's the real Bible being taught, and you say, but, or you're getting ready to go back to something you heard somebody teach you wrong or some of your experiences, but it didn't work for me, but it didn't work for me. I can say, amen, it worked for me. Did it work the first time? No, a lot of times it didn't work the first time. Second time, third time, no, I stuck with it. I stuck with it till I got it. And you know, to be honest, some of my favorite Bible passages I learned through hard times. You know, we talk about sometimes about uh, Tom, Thomas Edison, the light bulb that I forget. I've seen so many versions of his story, but something like a couple thousand times he found out what wouldn't, what wouldn't work. People talked, tried to talk him into quitting on a bit in the light bulb that we use today that works with that little thing in the middle, does with things that last for a long time. And so they go and say, well, Thomas, it's not work. Why don't you quit? He says, sir. So far, I've found 1,592 ways that won't work, but I'm going to keep at it. Well, I know that in the Bible, in hard times, I've dug in, stood on a verse for a season. I didn't get results yet, so I researched, dug some more. Got another verse, stood on it. Got another verse, stood on it. I'd stand, and I'd say, I know this thing works because God's not a man that he should lie. That's Numbers 23, 19. He's not a man he should lie. He's truth. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he said in John 17, 17, says, Thy word is truth. And so I knew, John 8, 31 and 32, if you continue my words, you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. And so I knew if I stuck with the truth, the truth would change the situation. The truth would change it. And so, honestly, a lot of the verses I've learned, I learned through hard times because I always knew the hard times were not from God, they were from the devil. I knew James 4, 7, submit myself to God, resist the devil. He had to flee from me. I knew Ephesians 4, 27, neither give place to the devil. You know, I, I don't like to stand and spout off verses like that sometimes, but sometimes I think it's good for you to know that you can learn those verses too like I did. If you're going through the crisis of life, if you want to see things change, don't just get one verse and stick with it. Get that verse, stick with it, then get some more ammunition. And man, shoot everything you've got at the devil's targets, the things he puts against you. Man, use everything you've got, and then there'll come a point in time 
Well, you're helping other people because you've got the victory. The Bible does tell us help other people with the same help you've received. And so when you're helping other people, you quote verses like that to them and have them open up their Bibles. And then they say, well, how'd you learn that? And you tell them, you know what? I went through the same thing you're going through right now. And I refuse to quit. I've said under good faith teachers, you tell them, I've said under good faith teachers, I've studied good faith books that teach the Bible, and I knew that no matter how impossible it looked, God was bigger. I knew that Jesus was the answer. I knew that's how it happened. And just keep studying to show yourself approved unto God. And work with these, not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so you've got to know that all bad things, all calamity, crisis, come from Satan, period. And, you know, I just got to throw out there some more Bible to get this. You know, people say things all the time like, yeah, God done that to teach me something. Well, how come Ephesians chapter 4 says he said apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in the church to teach them? How come in John chapter 14 through 16, he talks about the Holy Spirit, the teacher? He never said, he never said in any of those verses, I'm going to send divorce to you to destroy your home, make your life miserable, to teach you how to be a better Christian. He never said, I'm going to send cancer on your kids to teach you something. He never said, I'm going to steal your job, have people lie on you, and get you fired to teach you about money. He never said any of those things. So why do people say that God in my life still killed and destroyed to teach me? You know what that's called? That's called error. That's called somebody that did not study to show themselves approved unto God, but somebody, Jesus said it this way, said people teach for commandments the traditions of men and not the doctrines of God. That says it makes their faith an effect. And so we need to make sure that we're teaching the Bible. I talk about those of us that teach, and, you know, we can all teach somebody something, you know. Make sure you're teaching the Bible and not teaching what you've heard, unless you know it's in your Bible. That's why, to me, it just, you know, I, I just want to say, it, I, I ignore it now, look over it, but it makes me sad when I teach the Bible in church, I see people sitting there staring, don't even have a Bible. It's just really is sad because I can sit up here, I'd be teaching, I could be teaching fables or nursery rhymes or anything else, and you go home and talk to other people and say, Well, what did you guys learn today? Well, I learned, I learned about the old woman in the shoe. Well, you know, she had so many children, she didn't know what to do. Or I, I, heard, I heard about the three pigs and the, and the big bad wolf. And the big bad wolf was going to huff and puff and blow your house down. And the one pig said, no. I'll go, wee, 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 all the way home. <laughs> you know, that, 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 sounds, that sounds goofy, but there's people go to church because they never read their own Bibles. They hear some things that sounds like, man, that ought to be good. So they go home and tell everybody else, man, here's what God's doing. And anybody that reads their Bible knows, man, these people are just phonier than a $3 bill. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. So, so I went to that church, and uh, they taught a lot of things that wasn't God. They had some Bible verses mixed in there that was really right, and the Holy Ghost was definitely there, man. He, he moved, did things, but he, only, he could only move in line with the Word of God. He couldn't move any further because he only confirms the Word. And so I want you, I want you to, to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 
Then we're going to look at verse 16 to 18. And I really think this will help you because it's just a good example of what I'm talking about. And how many know there could be some really, really, really godly Christians, preachers, that could be right about a lot of things, but also wrong about a lot of things when it comes to God if they don't know their Bible. And so whatever I'm talking about, people that I've learned the wrong way to do it from and then learned the right way to do it from, I'm not throwing stones at them. I pray for them to be able to learn the Bible so they can teach other people right and get the most out of their life that God wants for them too. Amen? And so this verse right here I'm going to teach from back in about 19, what well had to be middle 1980, there's this missionary that came back from Indonesia, I think. And she was a, she was a, a godly woman. I'm not at all saying anything mean about it. She's probably been in he- heaven now for 30 years because she's old, really old. And she came back here from Indonesia to our Sunday night service, and they let her preach. As she got up there, as she read these verses right here, I'm going to be reading. Matter of fact, I'll read them, then I'll tell you. First Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18 says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And then she emphasized, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And so when she did that, then she said, I was over there and said I had maybe malaria's upset. I was about dying. She said, I was really, really close to death. I had no money, had no help. And she said, I saw this verse. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God. So she said, it's the will of God that I be here. It's the will of God. I have no help. It's the will of God. I have this serious disease. That's the will of God. She said, thank you, Lord, for malaria, whatever it was. Thank you that nobody could help me. Thank you that I'm in this serious trouble. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, in spite of that, somehow she got out of there because she made it back. But then she put the impression out to the people there that when still and killing comes to your life, this is the will of God. Thank God for this bankruptcy. Thank God for this sickness. Thank God that I'm broke. Thank God that I have no help. That's wrongly interpreting the word of truth. Can you see what I'm saying? It's wrong to teach people things like that. And so I want to teach you what these verses say. And keep it in mind, John 10.10. You've always got to remember John 10.10. Jesus is always on your side to deliver you, to heal you, to provide for you, to bless your family, not to steal from you. He's on your side. And the devil's the one. And by the way, uh, sometime you ought to do a study with the word deceived and deception in the New Testament. Over and over and over again, New Testament tells you, be not deceived, be not deceived, be not deceived. The only way a Christian can get deceived is to stray from the word. Satan is the deceiver. Satan is the liar and the father of lies. Satan's the one that lies. And you know what he is? He, 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 he's, he's such a deceiver, he will put things in your head and tell you God did it, that God said it. He'll tell you God's the one that did this. 
Well, you know what? Uh, you opened the door. You're the one that caused this. This is God's judgment on you. Because of things you did in the past, God's not going to heal you this time. He's not coming through this time. He's not going to do it this time. Well, 1 John 1, 9 tells you that if you have sinned as a believer, if you have missed it, when you come to God sincerely and say, Father, 1 John 1, 9 says, if I confess this sin, you're faithful to just forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That unrighteousness means the things you did that wasn't right. And so that qualifies you to be back in position for Jesus to heal you. Amen? For him to supply the needs, for him to give you the favor. So when the devil tells you that, now, if you're a phony Christian and you're, you're a con, you can't con God. You know, it's like Pastor Dave says, boy, I wrote that down in my notes, Dave, about that. There's no prepaid, what do you call that? Prepaid repentance. You know, you say, okay, I'm getting ready to go do this, and I know this is God's tithe, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to spend this on what I need to spend it on out here in this, whatever it is, this thing, man, everybody's going out to do it. They're all doing the, whatever thing is, they're all doing like that. And I know that the only money I got right now that I could possibly use is my tithe, so I would spend God's tithe, and then I'll repent. Well, that's not the way it works. You don't, you don't willfully make it up in your heart that you're going to sin, and you know it's sin. James 4, 17 says, Therefore it knoweth to do good, it doeth not to him it's sin. If you don't knoweth to do good, and you do wrong, then it's a whole lot different thing there. God lets you skate on some things if you don't know yet. But he knows when you know. If you know things that are right, some things that are wrong, and you still do it anyway, and they think, well, this is prepaid, I'll just go ahead and do it, then I'll just, man, I'll just use my card. Lord, <laughs> I'm sorry. Till tomorrow when I go do it again, and then, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Then you're going to be in trouble. But I'm talking about real Christians, true Christians, that when you're doing right, to the best of your knowledge, your ability, and you're praying and believing for something, the devil tells you it's not going to work, then that's where you can laugh and you just say, ah, devil. <laughs> that just proves it's working because you're a liar. Amen. And so this lady talked about this verse here how she prayed thanking God for the trouble she was in, thanking God for how impossible it was, and that was his will. She was wrongly dividing the word of truth. And so to rightly interpret, I want to say again, you've got to interpret it in line with other scriptures. So this verse here, keep in mind John 10, 10, that Jesus has nothing but good, no bad to give. The devil has no good, just bad to give. Interpreted through the words of Jesus, look at verse 16. And so it says, rejoice evermore. Rejoice. Re-joice. That means to rehearse past victories, the times things looked impossible, but Jesus came through and turned your gloom and doom into joy. Turned your hopeless situation around. Rejoice. And you know, I still, to this day, get on my knees and in the spirit I look up at Riley Children's Hospital in Indianapolis, Indiana and I say, Jesus, I want to thank you that you came into Riley Hospital and raised my son off a deathbed. You know, what am I doing? I'm having that joy all over again. I say, Jesus, I want to thank you for that day he jumped off that bed and started dancing. 
Amen. And I get on my knees a lot of times, and don't tell my wife this, but I get on my knees a lot of times, and I'll say, Jesus, I want to thank you. When it comes to the point in my life, I want a wife I prayed, and you sent me Janice. I have that joy all over again. I have that joy all over again. And just, I go through things like that all the time. What am I doing? I'm rejoicing every more. And what does that do? That stirs your soul up. That stirs your heart up to be able to get into faith. Amen. That, that stirs you up. And, you know, you think about it. That's what David did when he had to face Goliath. He went out there, and the giant was big and looked impossible. And he said, with the Lord's help, I killed the lion. He's rejoicing again. With the Lord's help, I killed the bear. And with the Lord's help, he said, you uncircumcised Philistine, said, this day your head's coming off, and the fowls of the air is going to eat your carcass in the field. What did he do to get to that place? He looked at those past victories. Do you know a little shepherd boy, by, without God's help, is not going to kill a lion? <laughs> not going to kill a bear? I cannot kill leukemia. I can't make crippled bones walk. But with God's help, I rejoice in that. And so in your lives, you've got to make this thing personal in your lives. Has anybody in here ever has something looked absolutely impossible. Look, all hope, it's all over. It's not going to work without God. Anybody? Amen. Amen. Well, you know, when you're facing things now, and the devil says, not this time, it's not going to work. You're not walking where you used to walk. You were more spiritual back then. But last year, you didn't tithe for that month. Last year, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. You know what you do? You just stop. Say, Lord, I want to thank you that time when this was happening and it looked like all hope was gone. Oh, Jesus, you did it. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for what you did. And Lord, I want to thank you that that time that such and such happened, the doctor said this, or the job said that, or this unexpected bill came through that we didn't know was coming, Jesus. Wow, Lord, that's the year. You gave us all the extra money for that tax credit. We didn't know we had it coming, Jesus, but you did. Lord, I don't give the government credit for that. I give it to you, Jesus. You're the one that gave that to me. And Lord, I know that that time that this was happening with my car, and I didn't know what I was going to do, and I come to find out that that person I worked with or that that person I went to church with, they said, you know what? I've got a car just like that, and that's that part that went out, and I don't need it. If you get somebody to put that on there, that'll take care of your car. You thought, wow, Lord, you're the one that did that. You brought that through. I want to thank you. You're rejoicing. said, rejoice evermore. If you're going to turn a hopeless situation around, you better learn how to rehearse your joy. Amen. You better learn how to talk joyful things again. The things that gave you joy, you better learn how to talk about them again. If you can't think of anything, just think of one thing. Lord, I want to rejoice that I got up again this morning, Lord. I want to thank you that I'm here. I want to thank you, Lord. And just get in that, get in that phase to where you rejoice. And just, and, just, and just learn that Bible principle. Then it said, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. This means constant fellowship with your Father at Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. I heard a preacher say one time, somebody asked him, said, said, 
Well, how long do you pray? See, people have religious ideas about praying. And he said something like this. He said, I've never prayed over 15 minutes at a time. But I don't go 15 minutes about praying. And so prayer is simply keeping your spirit and your words constantly in contact with Jesus. You know, I just, I just think about so many times when I was a truck driver. Uh, you know, I, I drove 18-wheelers for about 28 years. Somebody said, man, that's hard to believe. You're that old? No, I'm not that old. I started young. <laughs> but I, I, drove, I drove 18-wheelers for a lot of years. And, you know, if you've never driven one of those, you don't know what a challenge it is when you get off the big interstate and go in the little cities, these little old places that were made 50 years ago for much smaller trucks. And in Indianapolis, I had to go downtown a lot. And has anybody ever seen fire escapes on old buildings? Well, those things are not made for 13-foot, 6-tall trailers. They're made for things about 12-foot tall. And so when you come up an alley with a big rig, and you got some fire escapes on this side, some fire escapes on this side, and you get up there, a little old dock inside of a little building alley there, unless you know how to make the truck bend in the middle, you better get help from Jesus. And so when I go to places all the time, pray without ceasing, just Jesus... You know where I'm going. You know what that's like there, Lord. I just ask you, Lord, please don't have those people have that dumpster out there in the alley this morning. Get that dumpster out of the way. Jesus, I want to thank you. I just want to thank you, Lord. Those cars are going to be parked in that corner right there because I've got to get around that corner, not tearing something up. And that's how I lived in my truck. I'd get to places, and I'd always come to places where they had people that were argumentative and mean and always want to blame everything on the truck driver and say, Jesus, just, man, Man, keep their mouth shut today. Help me keep my mouth shut today if their mouth's not shut. And just, that's what I talk about prayer. Coming to church, you know, as we're worshiping God. And I just, Jesus, I want to thank you that as I get up there today, Lord, I don't know how you want to open this sermon, but just by the time I get there, Jesus, I think your words are going to be in my mouth. And just all the time, that's praying without ceasing. It's not, it's not, it's not you on your, on your face, on the floor, all the time, crying out, just interceding and things like that. That's one kind of prayer. But the kind of prayer he's talking about is constant contact with heaven. That's what prayer without ceasing is. You know, I just think about, oh, just different things. People I experienced over the years, we, you know, we were the, the Bible Belt out there where we were. And we had so many religious people out there. A lot of religious people. And I think some of us even saved. But... Uh, I'm sure some of them were. But we have religious people that like to pray, Oh, thou is most highest that does us. Thou is doest, thou is willest. Thou couldest, thou shouldest. Why didn't thou is? And you know, the religious people in places like that would sit there and man, they just get chills, walk out of there. I'm, I'm serious. I've I been to places like that, but other people want me to visit their churches. They leave there, Oh, he was so homiletic, humagotic, or whatever some of the words were they used like that. And I said, they're thinking, man, that place is deader than a doorknob. But then like Pastor Dave said, the man reading, reading the 23rd Psalm, you get around somebody that knows Jesus, anything they say is going to be anointed. That's because they were in communication with Jesus all day and all day yesterday, last week, all month. 
Everything's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, help me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. I remember, I remember <laughs> just, a, just a couple things. When I, when I was on the truck dock, when I wasn't in the truck, I was working on the dock. I remember we had these iron carts. They were called flats, but they're things that roll on iron wheels. They're made out of steel, and you put boxes and stuff on go from truck to truck. And if you get in a hurry sometimes, you would hit your leg. How many know the shin bone? Is kind of kind of sensitive. I, re- I remember one day I was pulling that cart at the dock, and all these sinners around there—they all thought I was wacko weirdo until I got him healed. I mean, I think about everybody there. I visited the hospital for their sick mom or kid because they'd all call me aside like Nicodemus did Jesus. Hey, Bernie, get a chance to a little prayer for my mom. She's in the hospital. I say, what hospital is she in? I'll be there tonight. And we, so I always operate behind the scenes. But anyway, they they mocked me, and made fun of me. And I come up the dock and I hit my shim with that. And, <laughs> you know, Jesus said in Matthew 12, the buds of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So I think hit my shin. And what it did, man, I saw stars about to fall over. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I laid my hand on my shin bone like that. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Healing to my hand. And boy, the whole dock stopped because it must have been pretty loud. Remember when Paul saw us were in prison? And it says they, they praised God with a loud voice and the prisoners heard him. Man, the prisoners there heard me. And I, I remember one guy that claimed to be an atheist. He said, look at that. Look at that. That, that. that weirdo, whatever he called me, something different, I know. He said, "He said, here he is. He's thinking Jesus because he got hurt. I wasn't thinking Jesus because I got hurt. I was thinking Jesus because I've been communicating with Jesus all day anyway. And when that happened, I was trained by the word of God, by good preaching. My hand immediately went down there. And so it wasn't, it wasn't but just probably a minute. I was walking and leaping, dancing and jumping because healing power is working in me. <laughs> and then I remember in that same season, we had these trailers called open-top trailers. And anybody that's been around docks or things like that, know what that is. That's a trailer on the top you put a tarp on. You put a tarp on because they don't have a roof because sometimes they go places. They have to have cranes reach in and pull the stuff out of them. So it rained a lot. Did anybody ever hear that song about it don't rain in Indianapolis in the summertime? Everybody remember those words? Well, it rains in Indianapolis all the time in the summertime. And so this truck had a tarp on it full of muddy water. And when I went to open the back door, I got a bath in mud. Well, what do you think I did? Well, the old guy, know what he would have did, the new guy. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Woo-woo. Like that. What am I saying? I prayed without ceasing. I had thankfulness in my heart not cussing. Amen. That's what was in my heart, but that spoke to those people all the time how I acted. You know why? Because those people knew me when people was afraid of me. Somebody's afraid of you? Man, life was rough. Life was rough. I hated the world at one point in time. Nobody liked to be around me. I don't want to wrap myself out too much. Maybe just one more little time. I remember one day they had me delivered a bunch of cases of encyclopedias to this old woman. I didn't like the way she treated me, so I kicked them off the back of my truck at her parking lot. And I drove off, man, blowing smoke in my air horn. I threw the freight bill out for her to pick up off the ground. And I got a call from my boss. Hey, go back and pick that woman's stuff up. And so I cussed my boss out. I said, no, I don't want to. I don't have to. I'm mad at the world. I hated everything. And so... He said, well, that was your mom. I said, I didn't say thank my own mom. I wouldn't help her. 
I was just mad at the world. So I'm telling you, this is what a change it was for these guys to see me like I was. I was a new creature in Christ. These guys knew when I was a bad guy and I wasn't a good guy. And so I learned from how I used to be to how I became that when I run across mean people, I learned that they were mean for a reason. Life wasn't treating them good. And they needed Jesus. And so that's how I learned to transfer that. I remember, I remember the one time I was downtown. I hate to go to this one store, but one of the biggest department stores in Indianapolis. Every time I got there, this old guy come out, man, he was really mean to me. And I just I, I just got fed up with the meanness. I always treated him nice digging. I thought, man, today's the day I'm gonna nail him today. He's and I get by with it today. So I got to the place, he I did my usual in the back of my truck, they had some boxes off, take in the store, my usual stuff. Good morning, how you doing? And so he unloaded a volley on me, you know, like that. I thought, man, that's enough of that. So as soon as he said that, I jumped off the back of my truck. He tried to run in the building. I chased him down to the building, started preaching to him. He got the big freight elevator. Just the freight elevator's got those two wooden gates that go up like that, jump on it. He started doing the gates. I jumped on the elevator. Started riding up there. He said, what are you doing? What are you, what are you, what are you following me for? I said, why are you always so mean to me? I said, I didn't do anything to you. I said, why do you always have to cuss me and act like that? I didn't know I did. I said, yeah, you did. Every time I come here, you do that. I said, I pray for you. You do? I said, yeah. I said, you need Jesus in your life. And so long story short, the guy started crying. His parents were Pentecostal Christians. His grandparents were preachers. And so he got right with Jesus. We changed. So then everything changed. Went back there. But what am I saying? I'm saying that I prayed without ceasing. I was hooked up with Jesus. And I knew this man didn't just wake up and say, who can I be mean to today? When I was hurting like that, I don't want to go to my personal life, people to hurt me. But the things going on in my life is so horrible, I didn't care if I lived or died for a season of my life. I would just soon die as live. And I didn't wake up every day thinking, who can I be mean to today? Hope I can find some old lady today so I can kick her books off the truck. I didn't live that way. I just hated everything and everybody because of the hurts in me. And if somebody would have told me about Jesus in the midst of that, things would have changed. Well, another story. I'll get back and finish this last verse. Another story. Lived another place downtown Indianapolis. And this really, really, really weird guy, man, he had... This is for uh, a lot of demon stuff has made so much public. Man, this guy had this great big ugly skull thing, crossbow things on his neck there. This thing had these flashing little red eyes, supposed to be the devil like that. Man, I tell you what, that guy there, I, I got him. I thought, man, this guy here is really messed up. So I got him, started preaching to him, and then the guy started up his life to me. His life so tormented. He said he can't drink anything except goat's milk or something because... He's a young guy in his 20s because of ulcers and the messed up in life. And so anyway, I ended up leading him to the Lord. The Mrs. Pastor and I started ministering to him and his girlfriend started going to their house and working on them. But most people saw that guy thought he was a madman of Gadara. They were scared to death of him. But the thing was, because I was in constant communication with heaven, I saw a tormented human being. I saw a man that was hurting in life and I saw the camouflage. Of course, he was and this is for all the piercings and tattoos was popular. He, he had you know, the earrings all up and down his head and everywhere, tattoos all around his neck and everywhere. And back, back in Redneck, Indiana back then, that was scary to anybody because we didn't see those things. But to me, 
the Spirit of God in me told me, help him. And that's why we say pray about ceasing. You're in constant communication with heaven, and when you are, you respond to troubled people in a different way. You see them through the eyes of Jesus. Jesus is the one that comes to give life and that more abundantly. And who lives in me? Who lives in you? So if the same Jesus lives in you and you're in constant communication, when you see messed up people, immediately the Jesus in you wants to find out how to help them. Amen. That sure got off the beaten track for what I had, but it was good anyway, wasn't it? Amen. And so this verse, this this uh, this last verse, verse eighteen, is my target for you to get a hold of this. Tell you what it doesn't say, so you'll see what it does say. Notice that it says, "In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you." And so you notice that it doesn't say, "Give God thanks for every bad thing that the devil's trying to do." It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, give thanks for every bad thing. Now look at this. In everything, give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus, concerning you. In everything, give thanks. What's the will of God when you're going through rough stuff? The will of God is to give thanks. What are you giving thanks for? You rejoice for what he's done. You thank him for what he's doing right now. Like the song we talked about a while ago. I can't see you moving, but Lord, I want to thank you that you are. Lord, I can't see I can't see this thing changing, but I know you're the changer. You're the way maker. You're the one doing it. That's what it says. It doesn't say give thanks that you lost your job. Give thanks that your cars broke down. Give thanks that your family turned on you. Give thanks for all. It doesn't say that. It says in everything, give thanks. It's the will of God. Lord, I want to thank you. My family's saved. I want to thank you. My family's coming into the kingdom. I want to thank you, Lord. There's healing working in my little girl's body. I want to thank you, Lord, that that money's showing up because you're the one that supplies all my need. I want to thank you, Lord, that this weekend my boss told me last thing on Friday at 9 o'clock Monday morning I need to see him in my office. I want to thank you all weekend long. Man, when stomach's turning, you're thinking, thinking, thinking. Lord, I want to thank you this promotion. I want to thank you. This is going to be good. I want to thank you, Lord. My boss wants to see me because it's going to be good, Lord. I want to thank you for that. So can you see the difference between what that missionary lady said and what God said? said, in everything, not for everything. In everything, give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God. What's the will of God? Not the bad stuff. The will of God is to you be a thankful Christian. Amen. So that's how you turn hopeless situations around. That help anybody. Amen. Amen. That's how this thing works. And it really works. I praise God for all those old truck driving stories. I'm not a truck driver anymore. It's got a lot of stories. Got preaching stories now, too. Let's stand up. Amen. And, uh, you know, I'll I, I just tell you, Josh, are you up there? Okay. I'll, t- I'll tell you a fresh story uh, from church. Had, had, had a person come up for prayer Wednesday night, and they had some kind of a thing that was pretty serious to them, hitting them on their neck, and just uh, some kind of big swelling lump type thing, and couldn't hardly turn their head, things like that. And just a regular Christian at our church, so I did what we do. I laid hands on this person, and after the service over, stand there talking to him, just amazed at what happened. Amazed. It's gone. It's better. Better. Go on. Go on. It's gone. I, what, what happened? I said, It's the Bible. 
Bible, Jesus said, lay hands sick, they shall recover. You're the sick, I got hands, I laid hands, you recover. That's what happened. That's how this whole thing works, guys. It works just that way. And so just remember, the basic, simple Bible truth I, I taught tonight, 2 Timothy 2.15, you study. Show yourself proved unto God. A workman. A workman. Wow, what's the first part of that work? A workman. You work for God. How do you work for God? Whatever it is he puts in your heart to do for him. You might be a prayer warrior. You might be a server in some area of ministry. Or like college professor I had back in Indiana. And this, this was a big deal. When you're a pastor, you get lots of different people in your church. Uh, she was a, I don't know what to call her, except a PhDDD, PPPHHHDDD. She was a tenured college professor at Indiana University for a lot of years. And she was, she was a doctor, doctor professor. But her job was she, when people, when the doctors around the world came back for whatever they call it, the, re, the re, reboot, whatever they do, she re-educated the doctors when they came, but she was also a farm lady, loved the farmers, loved to work with her hands. When the church had projects, things going on, she said, Pastor, I wish I had time to do this, but i got to do that. And I said, I said, you just keep doing what you're doing. I said, what you're doing is a ministry. It's so important what you're doing. And I said, the tithes that you pay really help the church because somebody where she was, but it's the big tithes have been a smaller church with a lot of just local people there. Her tithe did so much to help the church do what we was doing. And so what I'm saying is this, her work was her profession. And so she wasn't in the church doing the things that a lot of people had time to do. And so you never feel guilty about where you are. If you're doing what you know God wants you to do, and you're a Bible studier, then God's approving your life. And that's what counts. You have to prove yourself to God first. Amen. Amen. Just always remember that. Okay, Josh, let's sing something. And uh, you know the routine. If you need something up here, we're up here representing Jesus to help you. And, uh, you know, I just want to say, for our church, there's always healing. There's always healing in the spiritual atmosphere here. Don't ever come to this church with pain and leave with pain. And we can knock it out. What we've got is better than Tylenol. Or Bayer aspirin, or ibuprofen, whatever your favorite pain reliever is, we are the ones that are hooked up to the pain reliever. And so don't ever leave without pain. That's that's for somebody tonight. You know somebody you're hurt tonight, don't leave with it. Come and get help. Anything else you need. Amen. Let's see. You are here. I'm moving in our I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. Worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship.
darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working a way maker miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my god that is who you are. You are a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. 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 And 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 that is who you are. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. 
Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Amen. All right. All right. Well, praise God who received from the word of God tonight. Amen. Awesome. Uh, awesome word and awesome stories from my dad there. He's got some good ones. Huh? <laughs> Every now and then he pulls out one I haven't heard. So I love it, man. I've listened to this preacher for 30 years. I love it. Amen. Well, I uh, remind you, we got service this Wednesday. Of course, seven o'clock. It's going to be fire. And then the marriage refresh weekend is this weekend so married couples and you can invite someone i think we got three or four slots left but go on there and register and we're just going to bless your marriages and build you up and encourage you it's going to be absolutely awesome amen let's go ahead and close out in prayer and then we'll do our barstow faith confession (coughs) all right buddy hang on father in jesus name we thank you lord for what we've seen and heard in the word of God tonight. We thank you, Jesus, that we are victorious and we always triumph in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that we will take this with us and use it this week to fight our battles. And we thank you, Lord, that we overcome every single time, Lord, and use us this week to be the light of the world everywhere we go. We thank you, Father, that you're coming soon and we're ready, but we want to bring others with us on this awesome, awesome trip to heaven. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Amen. All right. Uh, praise God. Uh, Sammy's going to close us out in the Barstow Faith Confession. Come on up, buddy. Come on. <laughs> oh, oh. Did you have a nice trip? Come on. Let's go. All right. Let's say this together. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll say it then. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you Wednesday.